and all of them. So you guys better get on the stick. So Mark called me from Chicago this week and uh, has a fresh one for us. So what happened? Um, So I was in Chicago last week on business and there's a Ukrainian father and son construction team that my brother and I have worked with for many years. And they know our faith and they've seen uh, the goodness of God in our business and in our families, um, but they'd never been, there'd never been a chance to bring them into an encounter with uh, the supernatural love of God, even though it had been something that Mike and I had been longing for. So I was catching up with Roman, who is the son. Uh, we're working on a project, and about a month ago, he slipped on the ice and uh, injured his knee. And so I was checking in with him and wanted to know if he still had any discomfort in his knee that I could pray for. And as it turns out, his knee was 100% healed. So he was like, no, I'm good. I don't have a need. But then he said to me, you know, you should speak to my dad. His um, one leg is an inch longer than the other. uh, And he's having a hard time now that he's getting older um, with an injury from from long ago. So I, I texted Oleg and said, I'm in town. I want to come and see you. So I showed up at um, the job site. Oleg was working on a three-flat, and I caught up with him. And then I said, tell me about your legs. And he said, oh, my one leg is an inch longer than the other. Look, I can't stand flat. Like, I either rock or I bend a knee. So I told him Jesus wanted to change that. And I got him to sit down. Um, He took off his shoes. I lined up his heels, and one leg, sure enough, was an inch longer than the other. We prayed. His leg grew out. He was uh, aligned, stood up, and his feet were flat on the ground. (laughs) Isn't Jesus amazing? And it was just for Oleg and I, it was like pure joy. Just, it was like pure freedom. We're just hugging each other and just to see the love of God on this man. And just, um, I got to tell him how good God is and how much he loves him. And I said, Oleg, we just saw your leg grow out. And I knew that he's had... um, diabetes and high blood pressure. And I said, I want to trust that God would heal every sickness in your body, that when you next go to the doctor, you'd be completely well from head to toe. So I prayed for him again. And then the next day I followed up and called him and said, you know, how are you feeling? And he said, I I woke up and I feel great. And then I met up with Roman because we're working on a project together. And he said, uh, Oleg went home and his mom uh, was looking at 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 his feet and they were completely lined up. And Oleg was like running up the stairs. And Roman told me 20 years ago, um, Oleg was able to buy his first house. And he had a few guys carrying uh, 30 sheets of drywall. And the the drywall was slipping. And in order to protect the floors of his new home, Oleg kind of committed himself. And the drywall crushed his ankle. And he had to go in and get surgery. And there were screws in his ankle. And he was actually supposed to go back for a second surgery to remove the the screws, but he had to work. So he just ignored that and didn't go back for the second surgery. So I got to just uh, minister and witness to Roman and just say, Jesus took care of that. I like the way you said it. Jesus wants to change that. Yeah. That's a great, simple phrase, isn't it? Don't go anywhere. All right. So we've recently uh, recorded all the sicknesses and diseases that you guys have sent in to info, I-N-F-O, info at gatheringplacechurch.org because Jesus told myself and Garrett Mancini independently from one another the exact same thing 
Jesus, our shepherd, said write down every sickness and disease at the Gathering Place Church, which means he wants to wipe them out. So some of you have sent them in. We've already got a few testimonies. Uh, but if you have not, not your aunt, uncle, brother, sister, cousin, we love them too. But Jesus wants this house healed. And once we get a whole nother level of manifestations of healings happen in this house, uh, I'm sure we can broaden it out. But let's keep them right here at home for now. So will you lead us in prayer, just a general prayer over the healings of sicknesses and diseases right here at the Gathering Place Church? Lead us in prayer. Here we go. Come on, church. Let's receive yeah, this. Yeah, Father, you. we just thank you that there's an open heaven over this house. There's an open yes. heaven over every life because Jesus, you tore the curtain from top to, to bottom. The yes. dividing wall of hostility has come down and you made a way. I thank you for your love coming to touch bodies, to bring healing and restoration. And we don't want to stand back or stand in the way of your intent yes. to love and to heal. And God, we want everything that Jesus paid for, which is wholeness, yes. healing, deliverance, restoration, flourishing, abundance, everything, God, that you gave, we just release upon this house yes. in Jesus' name, in Jesus' yes, mighty name. Amen. Amen. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. So middle school, you're released. Uh, if you're visiting here today, you have a middle schooler, you can follow one of our pa youth pastors here, Rachel. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, stay in with us. So you guys ready for the word? Yes. You ready for the word? Come on. We're in a series called The Glory of God because the Lord's prophetic word to us this year is that we are going to see His glory. And we have defined what that looks like over the last seven weeks, last six weeks, the seventh week. And so you can catch all these sermons online. You can watch them. You can listen to them. But today I want to touch on the one thing that gives God the most glory. The one thing that gives God the most glory. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So there's many things we can do to bring glory to God. Even what we eat and drink can bring glory to God. But there's one thing that gives Him the most glory. What do you think that is? Just kind of shout some answers out to me. Love. Love. What's that? Believe. Believe. Forgiveness. 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 Unity. Unity. All these things absolutely bring glory to God. That means to glorify means to shine light on. It's like getting your light, your life is to be a spotlight. This is the whole purpose of our lives. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If you and I live our lives for ourselves... To glorify ourselves, people go, oh, you're so wonderful. To accumulate wealth and acc accolades and achievements, you know, to get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. If that is your life, at the end of your life, you're going to realize you did not live God's purpose for your life. And the thing is, is that this is the way God's designed us because our purpose is to glorify him, shine light on him, that our lives, everything we do, everything we say, our demeanor, our attitudes, everything we do is supposed to shine up. People are supposed to look at us. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men and women that they will see your good works and what glorify your father in heaven. 
They look at you and they're like, wow, God. That, that should be the goal of our lives. When it's not, no matter how much you achieve, no matter how great your marriage is, no matter how much money you make, no matter what you do, there's still going to be an unsatisfied part in your soul that you just can't scratch. Money can't scratch it. Another human being can't scratch it. You know, people thinking you're wonderful can't scratch it. That's why so many people that become famous and rich commit suicide or go into depression or, or just uh, because it's not satisfying and it drives them crazy. Jesus is the answer to the hole in our soul. So once we come to the place where we realize, oh, the purpose of me being created was to bring glory to God. Well, what is the one thing that glorifies him most? Thankfulness. Mark says thankfulness. Because I'm preaching, I get to say what I think it is and say it with authority. Because there's a lot of things that glorify him. But for me, this is the one. Trust. Trust. Now, why does trust, why does your trust in God glorify him? I believe it's because when you are going through an overwhelming, insurmountable, painful, difficult, people looking at you from the outside saying, I don't know if they're going to make it. I don't know if the marriage is going to make it. I don't know if that person is going to make it. I don't know how they're going to get out of this. And you should be freaking out, stressed out, acting out, and yet... There is a contentment about you, a peace that you should not have, even a joy. James says, count it all joy when you suffer and have all sorts of trials, my brothers and sisters. He says, that's crazy. Exactly. When people see you as a Christ follower, expressing contentment, peace, and joy... Even when your life is falling apart. They either think you're in complete denial and have gone crazy. That you're joyful and laughing and peaceful in the midst of a situation where you should be falling apart. Or they realize that you know something they don't. That's how I came to the Lord. The guy who led me to the Lord, his fiance had just broken up with him. And he should have been completely devastated. In fact, I didn't even know that until he invited me to church. I went to church with him. And then his friend said, you know, his fiance just, just broke off an engagement. And it completely broke his heart, crushed him. And, I, and I'm like, well, he doesn't look crushed. He, he didn't communicate that to me at all when he was inviting me to come to church. I mean, he's out evangelizing, inviting me to come to church. He seems happy and peaceful. And I asked him about it. He said, because of Jesus. That caught my attention. I wasn't, my life wasn't wrecked, but I did have a hole in my soul. And so I investigated to see if maybe this was the answer. And it absolutely was.
We trust people all the time. How many of you have given your money to investors, to money managers? We trust them with our money. <laughs> we love our money, don't we? That's, that's why the only place in the whole Bible God says to test me. He asks for the first 10% of our income because God knows that our trust is in our money. He knows that. Jesus said where your heart is, that's where your money is. So our heart and our money are connected. It's our security. It meets our needs and our greeds. God knows that. So he tries to break the, the inordinate tie of trust we have to our money by giving him the first, not the middle or the last, but the first 10% goes to him. That's called worship. It's called trust. That's why he asks us, well, actually commands us to do that. We trust pilots. You step onto a big metal container with wheels and you say, please take me 33,000 feet up into the air, would you? We trust the pilot. We trust the mechanics that they've checked the plane and they know what they're doing. We trust aerodynamics. We can't even explain what it is, but we trust it. We trust people with our children when we hand them over. It's because we're going to go out on a date for Valentine's Day. Here is our one-year-old, our six-month-old, our one-and-a-half-year-old, our three-year-old. Here, you can have them for a while, right? I mean, we we trust people with our children. We trust doctors with our health. What's your diagnosis? Put us under the knife. We put our lives into a doctor's hands. So this last week, uh, the Lord woke me up at 3.30 for prayer, which is his favorite time, which is incredibly um, annoying and disrespectful. (laughs) I don't know if he gets lonely at 3.30 or if he forgets that the other side of the world's awake. So go have them pray and talk to them and let this side sleep. That side, I don't know if he needs to be told that or not. I don't know. So about 50% of the time I actually get up and pray. And so this time it has been a while since he's woken me up at 3.30. He did it the night before and I didn't get up. He did it the next night. I thought I, I better get up and see what this is about. A lot of times it's that the Lord wants to set something up for the next day or he wants to knock something out of the enemy's trying to do in your life. And so he needs your intercession. So I get up and hope sleeping, and I'm in a chair in our bedroom, and I'm praying, and I'm worshiping, and nothing, I'm not, nothing's connecting. And I'm like, what do you, why am I up, Lord? Why do you want, what do you want me to pray about? And so I just got quiet and said, I don't want to waste my time. I'd rather be sleeping. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to pray about something that's irrelevant. So what is it that you want me to pray about? And he finally got it over to me. <laughs> I want you to roll the burdens of care over onto me. It was soul care time for John. Do you know that the image of rolling your cares, the scripture says, look at Psalm 55, 22. Can you put that scripture up there, Mike? Psalm 55, 22. Um, says this roll your burdens upon the Lord 
and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. It literally means to fail, to falter, to waver. Roll your burdens on the Lord. And he will sustain. To sustain means to feed, to nourish, to provide for. Cast your burden. Roll your burden. Release your burden. That word means to release, to roll your burden on the Lord. And he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be shaken. That word to roll, the imagery is that of a camel that is heavy laden with burdens on its back. And when it gets to its destination, the camel kneels down and does this. And the burdens roll off the camel's back onto the ground. Then the camel gets up again and all the load is off the camel's back. And so I did that for about an hour. I thought to myself, and I asked the Holy Spirit, many times I'll just ask the Holy Spirit, what is burdening me? Because what I think is burdening me, really there's something behind it or something underneath what I think the issue is. But the Holy Spirit knows everything, right? And so I got quiet and I said, Lord, what, what is burdening me? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> hello. You know, you can think generally, and my wife's battling cancer for the third time, just went through her 16th round of chemo, her last one. Praise the Lord. Um, and I have, of course, six children. Um, and, of course, I'm pastoring a church. Uh, and, of course, I have a blind, deaf dog who bangs into walls and uh, trying to decide whether to put him down or not. And we have a rescue dog that has uh, got his own issues. And then we have five new little kittens that, I, uh, that I, I got to eat the rabbits. And got a couple other cats in the house. And, you know, I mean, it's just... There's, and then you got, you know, money issues and you got all sorts of stuff, right? And so as I got quiet and I would, in my mind, kneel down like the camel. And first I started with my oldest son. And all of a sudden just the, wow, I'm really carrying him, aren't I, Lord? And you have to wait. And this is the point of today. You can be flippant about it and say, oh, Lord, I cast the care of my son on you. But you really didn't. Like if we're talking percentages, uh, maybe I just gave you 10% of my anxiety or fear or worry about his future, about his present. If you want to know the love of God, just have a kid. It took, I don't know how long, a lot longer than I expected to be able to let the levels go down, down, down until I really grabbed a hold of the care, the anxiety. That word in First Peter says, cast your cares on the Lord. That word care is marimna. It's a Greek word that means to divide the mind. There's this, there's this uh, dissonance inside of you. What is and what you want this is what I want for my son. This is what's happening right now. And then the angst and that tension and the love and the fear and the hopes. That's just one of six kids. And then all the other relationships and then all the other stuff 
in your life. Think about it. And so it was when I got down to the core of my care. And then the moment to release, like the camel releasing his burdens into the hands of Jesus. Give it to him. I give him to you, Lord. When I actually did it, and the relief and the freedom came, I trust you with my son, Lord. Oh, he's yours. When that moment happened, I felt it, and that was the moment of true trust. I trust you with him. Now let's move on to Bella. (laughs) And then Lily, and then Ava, and then Sam, and Josiah. My wife, her battling cancer for the third time, the burden, the future. But that is what the Lord is asking of us is to glorify Him with our trust in Him. What are we saying when we say we trust Him? Say it out loud here. What are we saying when we say we trust God with our burdens? He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's faithful. He always wants our best. He's attentive. He's watching. He sees it. See, look. This is where the struggle comes in. If we're honest with ourselves, it's like, it's like uh, no, I got this. That's why in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 or 6. It says this. Watch this. Right before it says, follow me, family, because this is so important for your mental, emotional, spiritual, relational health, your walk with God, and your witness to the world. Right before his cash says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Roll your burden on him because he is watching over you. Right before that it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. How? Casting. Wait, what's humility have to do with it? I can't handle this. Mark says, I can't handle this. He's better at it than we are. But man, it's too important to us. We grip so tight. It's my money. It's my child. It's my future. I can fix this. I can figure this out. I got this. And do you know what the Lord does? And I'm not saying this to say He's mean. He's just so good and so humble Himself and has given us such the gift or curse of free will, He does this when we do that. And He allows us to grip tight, figure it out, have sleepless nights, and He'll just sit here, arms folded, just waiting. Until we choose to open our hands and roll the burden. Do you know what he was talking about in Psalm 55, 22? He was betrayed by one of his closest friends in church. 
betrayal. That one hurts. Anybody been betrayed by a friend? Psalm 55, 22. He says, you and I used to go to church together. You can read the psalm. David is grieving over the betrayal of a friend that he went to church with. But then he comes down to the solution. I'm rolling the burden of betrayal of a friend into the hands of the Lord. And the Lord will sustain, nourish, feed, and take care of me. He will never allow me to be shaken or moved or to falter or to fail. That's the end result of rolling your burden over into the hands of the Lord. And do you know that rolling your burdens and your cares into the trusting hands of God is also spiritual warfare? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. It reads like this. Track with me here. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all, how much? How how much of your cares? All. All of them? Casting, rolling all of your anxieties, your angst, your burdens, your fears, your cares onto the Lord because He cares for you. We really don't think He's watching us or cares about us. We really don't until you do. You got to wrestle inside your own soul and be honest about fear and doubt and unbelief because it will sabotage you. You got to go down like I did and like I do. Once you do it, then you know what it feels like. Then you can do it on the run. You can feel this anxiety. It's like, oh, I know what I, I know what I need to do with this. And you know what it feels like when you truly let it go. And let me tell you what happens when you truly let it go. God takes it. And then he does his thing. And it's so amazing that he's glorified. That's why the one thing that glorifies God the most is our trust. Because it releases Him. Casting your cares on Him because He cares for you. The next thing it says is be sober. Be watchful. Be clear-headed and clear-minded. Be sober and vigilant. We cannot be clear-headed and clear-minded when we are all bagged up with our burdens. Trying to figure it out. Not getting sleep. Being anxious and fearful. Can't think straight. Wisdom doesn't flow like that. But once you release your burden, completely release it. Listen, I know it's, it actually feels irresponsible. This is my, my child. I have to parent my child. I can't just completely put him over into your hands. Well, that's not what, that's not what happens. It's about releasing the inordinate control And thinking that we're God over a situation. It's relinquishing it into the hands of God. And what happens is then God gives back to you your portion. And gives you his divine strategic action items. I remember one time I I got into the habit of waking up and I'd open up my organizer. And then I put down my priorities for the day. And, uh, and sometimes I would do that and then not have enough time for prayer. So I got into this bad habit of do, 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 do. And the Lord convicted me. I said, you're right, Lord. 
I'm going to close my binder. I'm going to open my Bible. And so I decided this, this one morning I was going to do that. So I, cl- I closed my organizer and I opened up my Bible and I just got quiet. And the Lord said to me, now pick up your binder. I said, God, you're so confusing. He said, I'll tell you what your priorities are. I was like, so duh, right? From that day to this, I don't pick my priorities. I let him tell me what's important. And then that's what I give my energy and time to. And so often, I'm off the mark when I try to pick my own priorities. What is your burden? Is it change, trying to change your spouse? Oh, if he or she was just more like this. Is it gripping your money tightly out of fear? Your nest eggs being threatened by the economy? Or, not right now. Is it your child? So this is the spiritual warfare piece. It goes on to say, be sober, be vigilant. Now you see the links in the chain? Humble yourself. You're not God. Cast your care on the Lord. He cares, he really does care for you and everything in your life. He says he has every hair of your head counted. He knows everything. He knows every angst, every hope, every dream, every sorrow, every uh, injustice, every financial state. He knows it all and he cares more than anybody else ever. He really does. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because, are you tracking behind with me? Because your adversary, gosh, we got three people in the play now. You... God and Satan. Do all this. Humble yourself and cast your care and be smart because your adversary walks about like a roaring lion, although Jesus yanked his teeth out, but he still tries to gum you to death. Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is his passion to chew you up and spit you out. He wants to crush your life. Who is the one who is vulnerable? Seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking whom he may devour. There's some that he can't, but there's some he can. Who do you think is the one that he can devour the easiest? Huh? Say it out loud. The weak ones. Who else? The one carrying their burdens. You've been listening to the sermon. Thank you for not sleeping. Somebody else. One who's not sober or vigilant. The ones that are not sober or, or disciplined. How about the one that drifts off from the herd? Have you ever watched Animal Planet? Dead meat. And all the other gazelles are like, see ya. Sorry. Seeking whom you may devour. But in this context, it's the one not casting the burden. Because Satan will just consume you with fear and anxiety and unbelief and doubt and fear. Because, oh my gosh, and the burden is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Trust. Resist him with your trust and God's faithfulness. Knowing this, that your brothers and sisters all over the world 
are dealing with the same kinds of sufferings. You know, you can't do the Elijah thing. I'm the only one being faithful to God. God says, I've got 7,000 people who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Come on, stop that martyr pity party thing. What are you going to do about it? Cast your care. Humble yourself. Watch out for the enemies trying to devour you. And after you have, and may the God of all grace, after you have suffered a while, He doesn't pull us out of the fire automatically. He is allowing the pressure to make us look like Jesus. It is very quiet in this Methodist church this morning. I'm just going to read the Bible to y'all, and you can do what you want with it, all right? After you have suffered a while, everybody say, suffered a while. That's not abuse. This is why it's so important not just to prepare the path for your kid, but prepare your kid for the path. Let your kid experience disappointment. Let them not get the happy meal today. Teach them how to deal with the hardships of life. Because life is cruel. And when they leave your home, if you have protected them from every disappointment and every negative situation, they are going to get ran over by life. Our kids already, they do their own laundry. Teenagers do their own laundry, make their own lunches, make their own breakfasts. You know, they all have chores. We personally don't do allowance. They have to earn, the, we call it commissions. They do their chore, they get commission. And we give them, I don't, I don't always give the full commission. I give commission on uh, not being asked to do your chore, having a good attitude while you do it, and a job well done. I was going to give you 20, you get 15 this month. That's life. That's real life. After you've suffered a while. <laughs> Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now watch this. Next scripture. To him, say it out loud, be the glory. Okay, so the spiritual warfare piece. So, here's a great story on this topic. I talked about this, stumbled upon it Wednesday, Thursday night at our Bible study, which everyone's welcome to my Thursday night Bible study. At the same church that the youth group has their youth group, I do a Bible study for the adults. We stumbled upon this and it just, it connected with, I didn't plan on teaching on this, but we talked about how Jesus would get alone with the Father. He's got three and a half years to accomplish the most important mission on the planet. And what's he doing going to be alone with God? You don't have time for that. You've got to save the whole world. You've got to raise up 12 disciples who are going to lead the church of the Lord Jesus Christ after you go to heaven. And you've only got three and a half years to get these knuckleheads on, on God's page. And he's, he constantly goes away to be alone with the Father. And so we talked about, if Jesus has that need, we have that need. And why is he doing that? Well, part of it is this. Releasing his burdens to his Father and getting the Father's assignment. One day he walks out and they said, everyone's seeking you. The whole town, it said, they brought out all the lame and the sick. They all came out. And Jesus said, I have to preach the gospel in other towns too. And turned his back on the hurting people and left. You see, he did not allow the needs of humanity to be his burden that controlled 
his, his daily agenda. He allowed the father to tell him what he, his priorities were that day. Isn't that something? And so Thursday night we had people realizing one person, we, we got into forgiveness. One person said, I, I need to forgive, you know, my daughter. And so we got into that. And another person said, I need to release my son who's uh, drug addicted. And it's just sucking me under. And uh, the Holy Spirit gave some words of knowledge on what was going on there. And they both got free. It was so amazing. And then one person that was in the Bible study said, I think I need to share what just happened to me. She got caught in the crossfire. As you were praying for them, I realized I have not forgiven my mother. And I don't know, it's probably been 40 years. And she said, I think when you said forgive, Jesus said, forgive from the heart. Not a mental ascension, but forgive from the heart. Jesus says, until you forgive from the heart. See, that's your burden. The unforgiveness and the angst is your burden. Forgive from the heart. Jesus said, until you forgive from the heart, you will be given over to the tormentors. So the person who is not forgiven is the victim. You're victimized. You're still being controlled in your emotions, your mind, by what they did to me or what they didn't do to me or for me when I was a kid or my parents didn't do this or my ex-husband or my ex-pastor or whatever. Carrying all that around. You're the one that's tormented. They're all going on with their lives. Jesus said, until you forgive from the heart, you will be tormented. And she said, when you said that, I wasn't even paying attention to the prayers you were doing with those people because I realized I have not forgiven my mother from my heart. And she said, I did it. And I cannot express to you the freedom I feel right now. That was a burden she was carrying like a camel for four decades and didn't even realize it. All that internal energy being spent. Jesus wants us free. So I'm going to close with this last story. So my sister and I were talking about this this week. And she said, you know, i got to tell you something. I was in prayer for my son way back when. He was in college. And he was raised Christian, but he got up into the, the party scene at college. And he was just, he was, he was he, she called him an alcoholic. He was... And she said, I would pray and pray and pray and pray and lose sleep and lose sleep and anxious. And And one day I was in prayer and I was just praying about something else. And the Lord said to me, he's my son. Mufasa, you know, when you said, I have heard him talk to me like that maybe twice in 30 years. When he wants to set us free from something, sometimes he just speaks like God. Like James Earl Jones, right? I mean, <laughs> and she said, you know, it shocked her and woke her up. And she's, you know, revelation comes with the voice of God. She said, you are so right. It had become an idol to her. When she rolled that burden off of her soul into the hands of God, she knew it when it happened. You can feel it. That week, that week, that week, remember I talked about spiritual warfare? That week, her son was deciding whether to go to a young life camp or 
to a fraternity all weekend party. He chose to go to the Young Life Camp. He got hammered by the Holy Spirit. That's a positive thing, by the way. For those of you that don't understand our charismatic terminology, you can't really find that in the Bible, the hammered by the Holy Spirit. But that's just, you can see accounts of it looking like somebody got hammered by the Holy Spirit, but that terminology is not in there. Driving back to his college campus, the God opened his spiritual eyes and he saw the demonic activity over his college campus and he has been a flaming evangelist since that day to this and that was 20 25 years ago what burden are you carrying today that you can roll over into the hands of God right now so that you can give him glory And so that you can see his glory in that situation this year. You guys ready to come to him together and let him do a little spiritual surgery on us this morning? Come on, let's come to the Holy Spirit. Let's close our eyes. This moment of response is where the information becomes transformation. So don't not participate in this right now. Glorify God with your trust. Okay, so get quiet. And I'm going to ask the band of these two. Don't start playing yet, okay? Just I want you guys, because you guys got burdens too. Just get quiet for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit because He knows you. He's the shepherd of your soul. Ask the Holy Spirit, what burden am I carrying that I need to roll into your hands? might be more than one. Just get quiet for a moment and let the Holy Spirit bring that up into your mind. It could be something from 20 years ago. You guys to do it back here too, okay? Because we like to have a free worship team. What burden, as the Holy Spirit, is in your soul that you need to completely release into His hands? Let's just do this together. This is about another minute. Okay, now, I'm sure the Holy Spirit has already caused something to come to the surface because He's faithful and He's quick. Now I'm going to challenge you with all compassion. Let go of it. Trust Him. Really trust Him with it, Him, Her, that thing. And in your heart and your mind, roll 
kneel down like a camel and just let it roll off of you into the hands of God. Trust him with it. Okay, if you've done it with one, I'm going to give you time to do it with another. What's the next burden? Now roll it off of you and onto him. The devil hates this exercise. What are you feeling right now? Just just shout it out. What are you feeling right now? One word. What's that? Stronger. Peace. Freedom. Light, peace. Tell you this, this will be a testimony to the world, to those who look at you and watch you and watch your life, unlike maybe anything else. When the three Hebrew children were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, you can read that in the book of Daniel chapter 3, they said to the king, who said, bow down and worship me, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, I'm going to throw you into this furnace. Well, my God's going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, He's going to. But even if he doesn't, we just want you to know we don't even need to answer you in this matter. We're not going to bow down and worship you. Threw him into the furnace. They didn't burn up. King freaked out, pulled him out, and then made this decree. He said, because uh, their God, whom they trusted, delivered them. Anybody who doesn't worship their God, we're going to burn down your house. So this pagan king saw God's people trusted him in their most dire circumstance and the king came out, this pagan king came out glorifying God because of their trust. Cause people to glorify God because of your trust in him. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front.